Welcome to the American Citizens Abroad podcast. I'm Michelle, and today I'm chatting with Carol Marquino, an English teacher in Rome. Welcome, Carol. Thanks for joining us today. Hello, Michelle. Thanks for the invitation. I'm happy to be here. Tell us a little bit about yourself and about your own expat experience. What brought you to Italy? I traveled to Italy a lot in the 80s with my twin sister. While we were students, we were always working and saving money to come back to Italy. One Christmas in the mid-80s, our parents gifted us a trip here, and that was a longer trip. So over time, we kept returning. Our trips got longer and longer. We'd always go to different parts of Italy, travel the south and then the north. I even worked as an au pair for a great American family. In any case, eventually we decided just to pack up and move instead of going back and forth. That was in 1991, 30 years ago. It doesn't seem possible, but the years have flown. But my grandparents were born in Italy, so I grew up in an Italian-American home in the Midwest. We grew up in, a, let's say, an Italian-American household, which is completely different than an Italian in Italy. Having Italian blood was definitely part of the initial attraction to Italy. And then after visiting, it was just a passion. Once I started coming here, I was enamored. And what are some of the challenges you faced when you first arrived in Rome? And are there still some issues you deal with today, 30 years later? Every single thing was a challenge when I arrived. <laughs> everything. Because it was all new. And everything took a lot of time. Opening a bank account, paying bills, even taking public transportation were all challenging because it was all so different for me. And then Italy had a lot of paperwork and bureaucracy that was daunting. And of course, in 91, we didn't have the magic of Google to help us in any way. Today, I don't have those challenges. First of all, things have gotten a lot easier. Things like renewing my ID card or driver's license can be done online nowadays. There is a lot less red tape in Italy. Still red tape, but a lot less. And more than anything, the most important thing is now I actually know where to go or who to ask if I need certain documents or information. Before, I would just turn up at an office and try to get things done. I've learned a lot. And so, no, the challenges are different. What do you absolutely love about Rome that one couldn't find in the U.S.? I love everything about Rome and Italy in general. So that is why I've lived here so long. I mean, I don't love it every single day. It's like anywhere you live, there's good and bad, ups and downs. But to answer your question, I love the lifestyle. Maybe I should be more precise. I love my lifestyle. I love starting my day in the neighborhood coffee bar, drinking my cappuccino, which is like a Euro 50 and very good. If I were in the U.S., I'd be a classroom teacher working nine to four or eight to three. So it would be a daily thing, the same schedule every day. The thing I like about my life in Rome is every day is different. I see most of my students on a weekly, not daily basis. So I have free time during the day and then might see some of my students in the early evenings or even on the weekends. This morning, for example, I went for a pedicure and then had coffee with a friend. But then I'll work later this evening. I have a lot of variety in my daily schedule, which I like. There's something that my sister recently pointed out, which she said, I couldn't live my life, this life I have in Rome. I couldn't live it in the U.S. if I had to worry about having health insurance. Mm -hmm. In the U.S., I would need a job which provided it. So Italy's National Health Service provides universal coverage. So working independently, as I do, is doable. How has living in Italy changed you? Do you think you'd be the same person if you'd stayed in the U.S.? I've asked myself that question about a year ago when I celebrated 30 years here. I wrote this variation of Venice haiku, wondering if I would be the same person if I hadn't left. 
it was very introspective of me. But fundamentally, I think I would be the same. My parents brought me up with certain values and work ethic. So those things haven't changed. Plus, I have the benefit of a twin sister. We lived together here in Italy for a few years, and then she went back to the U.S. I see that we have the same values and similar outlook on life today. But core values apart, living in Italy has changed me without a doubt. I think it's made me less of a conformist and more adventurous. I've traveled a lot in Italy and around Europe, oftentimes on my own. And that was in the ages before smartphones and things were more difficult and adventurous. I'd maybe pack a backpack and go to the central train station in Rome and just get on a train and go somewhere for the weekend. So it was all very impromptu and last minute. That changed me, I think. I think the experiences that we have and the people we meet along the way, all of that makes us who we are. So those experiences definitely have influenced me. If I had stayed in the U.S., I wouldn't have had a lot of these experiences. They would have been different types of experiences, but I wouldn't have been flying to capital cities. You know, in Rome, it's just easy to fly to another country for a weekend where I'll have a completely different experience. So those experiences have all influenced me. When I arrived in Rome 30 years ago, I thought everything we did in the U.S. was the best and only way. I hadn't lived anywhere else to know anything else. So living away from the U.S. has made me view America more objectively and in turn has changed me, changed the way I see some things. So yes, to answer your question, <laughs> yes. Making a living teaching English as a second language isn't always easy. Could you tell us about your experience as an English teacher? Exactly, it's not easy, but it can be done. I'm a good example. We know teachers in general are not going to make a killing and earn a lot of money, but it is possible to have a nice life. I started off working in language schools. And as I got to know more and more people, I found out about better jobs, applied for them, got them. So I've always had one main job as an independent contractor and then filled in my schedule working one-on-one -on -one with my own private clients. Initially, I worked with adults, but found that they were not very reliable. If something came up in their family or at work, they had to cancel their English lesson. So once I pivoted to middle and high school and university students, there was a big change. They were, or they are, more reliable. In fact, their parents don't let them cancel. Parents would cancel their lessons, but then they don't let their kids do that. So that means my income is more stable. Mm -hmm. About half of my work is with my own clients. I'm an adjunct at a university. And I also teach at an international military institution. I've had really good experiences, I have to say. I've learned a lot from my students as well. Being able to teach English doesn't always mean one is locked into teaching at a school or language learning center, like you just described. Could you explain other ways you can use your skills as an English teacher to find other side hustles? And could you speak to how important word of mouth is? So apart from teaching, I'm also a certified speaking examiner for Cambridge. The Cambridge exams are really big in Europe. There are A1, A2 exams, young learners. There are a lot of them. So becoming a certified examiner was a good move. I've been doing that for about eight years. It's a nice extra for teachers, not only for the work, but also for the qualification, because then it can help you get more teaching work. Some people do translation that's another side hustle for teachers. I don't do them. I tried when I first arrived, but I'm just not good at it. I don't enjoy it. 
Instead, I do some editing for PhD students. They attend an Italian university, but everything's in English. So my name has been passed around at this private university where many of the candidates write their dissertation in English. So word of mouth is essential in Italy. When Italians need any type of service, a plumber or private tutor or an accountant, they ask around. If you do a good job, clients are happy to let others know about you. Word of mouth is essential. I don't think advertising, putting up signs or advertising in some newspaper would make a difference. I have a page for my business on Facebook, on social media, and gets very little attraction. In fact, I have kind of left it by the wayside. Word of mouth is essential, vital to work in Italy as independent contractor. Many English teachers had to move their classes online during the pandemic. Was it difficult to pivot from in-person to online teaching? No, it wasn't difficult. Italy went into a hard lockdown in March of 2020. Some work just stopped altogether. So that, <laughs> that was difficult. My adult students, for example, stopped doing lessons since they were tired of working online all day. They didn't want to do English online in the evening. So it was hard losing the work. But the students who moved online with me didn't have any problems because they're high school and university students. They have grown up with technology. Mind you, I do one-on-one tutoring, one-on-one lessons. So it's much easier to do that than with a class of 20 or 25 students. The military institution just dropped everything in March 2020 because they weren't prepared to go online. But then they got everything up and running a couple of months later. Those are just small groups, so it's easy to do online. There are so many resources, too, for teachers. The problem is finding enough time to well, learn about all of these online resources and then test them and work with them. I'm not real technological either. Now we're two years into it, and all of my private work is online. So I've made it work. You've touched on this earlier, but maybe you can expand on it. Who are your students and why are they learning English? Are they students looking to better their English? Adults, first-time learners? As I mentioned, I work a lot with young people, teenagers. So high school, university age, maybe a few middle schoolers this year. They already do English at school, but they don't have a lot of opportunities to actually speak English in class. There tends to be a lot of grammar in the Italian middle school and the beginning of high school. And then the last years of high school, they do literature. So they study English and Italian literature, which they are great at reading comprehension and knowing about Shakespeare, but not very skilled at actually speaking English. Many parents realize the advantage of having a private teacher. Then most adults I've worked with need English for their job. There are some who just want to improve the English for personal reasons, for traveling. Over the years, though, there have been very few who are complete beginners. There are some beginners, but not complete from zero. And those who are complete beginners, one of the first lessons, at least when we were meeting in person, would be to open up the newspaper, the Italian daily paper, and you see so many words in English. Nowadays, a complete beginner is rare. 
do you find you get a lot of questions about the U.S. from your students? Mm -hmm. Are they interested in the language and also the culture of the U.S.? When I first started out, there were tons of questions about America and the lifestyle. Nowadays, though, a lot of my students have visited the U.S. They watch American TV series in English. They see things on social media. They already have a lot of knowledge about the U.S. and the culture. They do ask some political questions. The thing is, they're not considered political questions in Italy. When they ask about guns, they're wondering why everyone has a gun and about all the school shootings, because we get the news here. And some of the adults ask about Americans and why they're so willing to pay high prices for healthcare. I don't have answers to those questions, but it's funny how the questions have changed over the years. It's definitely more quote unquote political questions that they're asking me. What is the community of Americans in Rome like? Are they older or younger, retired digital nomads, English teachers? I don't really know today. When I arrived in the 90s, it seemed like all the Americans were women who were married to Italians. In fact, in the late 90s, I did a master's degree in English at the Italian, let's say, branch of Framingham University. So in the group, there were about 25 students, and 20 of them were North American women married to Italians. And it seems like that's all I was meeting of Americans were the women who were married to Italians. For a while, I was involved in the American expat community, and it was a definitely an older crowd. I'm not really tied into that anymore, so I really can't speak to this. My first reaction was, oh, yeah, they're all tinctures, but teachers because they're colleagues, so I know them, but I can't really say. ACA advocates on behalf of U.S. citizens living abroad. What are some of the issues you personally deal with as an American living outside the U.S.? Yeah, the biggest issues are voting and taxes. The last couple of years, there's a site, Vote From Abroad, that has made it a lot easier to register to vote and request an absentee ballot. Like the rules and the deadlines change so much. So the site is set up to recognize all of it from your home state. I vote in Ohio. That has helped a lot. Taxes are always, like around this time of year, <laughs> a problem. Those are probably the two biggest issues for me. So for the Americans that you do know, what do you hear from them about their issues? Taxes is a big issue for everyone. Recently, an ex-colleague messaged me asking about who I use for taxes. Finding someone to do your taxes, getting the correct information, all this F-bar and all of that people are confused about, or maybe things change. That's one issue. Someone else just more recently asked me about what insurance I use when I go back to the States. Most of us get travel insurance when we go back to visit family in the U.S. But I would say financial matters in general are concerned for Americans overseas. And I actually saw on the ACA website that you had a summit on the topic of financial matters. Fortunately, I couldn't attend. Maybe I don't have children, but I think some parents might have questions regarding citizenship for their kids who are born outside the U.S., Besides those, I don't really know any other problems people are having. Do you think organizations like ACA are important for the community of Americans abroad? Oh, yes. I think it's a great resource. You cover all the topics that are important for American expats. Knowing what you know now, if you could go back in time and give yourself advice before moving to Italy, what would it be? The advice would be once I move here, not beforehand. 
I wish I had started a journal when I first arrived. It would be great to read it now and see how I was feeling back then when everything was all new and foreign to me. I think I remember, but I know it. <laughs> my memory's not that great. So it would be fantastic if I go back and read something. And I'm really sorry I never kept a journal. I kept an agenda, a calendar, so I know where I was on a certain day at a certain time, but I don't know really how I felt. Anybody listening, please heed my advice and start a journal. Do you have any advice for moving to Rome or to Italy specifically? Okay, I should start off by saying I have an Italian passport. I got it maybe 20 years ago because my paternal grandfather didn't become an American citizen until after my father was born. That made me eligible for Italian citizenship. Having Italian citizenship changed everything. I lived here initially without anything. Having the passport definitely changed everything as far as being able to get a driver's license, apply for certain jobs, get a bank account, changed everything. Someone who wants to come and just live in Rome, I don't know how easy it is. I know there are different types of visas you can get. If you have a European passport, though, it makes everything easier. I will add, when I first arrived, it was the British who were always hired as English teachers, weren't a lot of Americans because they had European passport. Now that they're not part of Europe or the European community with Brexit and everything, it's leveled the playing field a little bit for North Americans. So if you have access to a European passport, that's great. It makes things so much easier. People often ask me about getting a job in Italy. It's not easy for Italians to get jobs. So it's even harder for foreigners. If you're a digital nomad, that's great. You don't have to rely on the Italian economy, so to speak. And I don't want to sound negative, but if you're looking for a career type job and think you're going to move up, you'd have to come here with an American company or an international company, be hired outside of Italy and then come. It's hard to get career type jobs. What do I mean by that? <laughs> Managerial positions. If you have your own business, and it's easier. But the work situation is not ideal for a young Italian. So it's going to be less ideal for us. There are some publications, online publications in English, where you can find jobs for maybe international people. I think if you go north, so in Milan, there's more of an opportunity. Rome and south, fewer opportunities to get into an Italian company for foreigners. Finding a place to live. Okay, it depends on your budget. When I first got here, of course, I wanted to live in the city center, at the historic center, downtown. It was way too expensive, so I moved out a little bit. And now I'm maybe five minutes from the city center by tram. And the thing is, nowadays, the center is a little bit sad. So many people moved out of the city center, and a lot of the apartments just became Airbnb or holiday homes. So the last two years, with very few tourists in town, there's not a lot of things happening downtown. In my neighborhood, my neighborhood is Trastevere, Monteverde, there's movement and things are happening. When I go to the center during the week on a weekday or maybe a weekday morning, there's nobody around. People are still working in their offices. So living in the center, probably now it's a little more affordable, but it 
we're missing something. I guess we're missing the tourists. It seems pretty quiet. If you live in the neighborhoods adjacent to the city center, but still easy to get to the center, it's less expensive, maybe bigger apartments. If you live near a underground stop, it's convenient. Assuming you have to go out to work. Nowadays, everybody is working online. So living near public transportation isn't as important. I know some people who live on the coast, Ostia, which is still considered part of Rome. There's a train from the beach side town of Ostia to Rome. It's like 30 minutes. Prices are a little bit lower. It's a different type of community. It's great in summer. Something that maybe Americans don't know is that there are no big agencies here will show you a bunch of different apartments. You just have to look through ads on your own or ask around. So when you come and you're going to move here, you should maybe even go to the neighborhood that you would like to live in, ask at the local coffee bar, ask the people who sell the newspapers if they know of anything. Word of mouth is important for jobs, but not just jobs, for everything, finding an apartment. I moved to this apartment where I am now two years ago, and it was through a friend. The other apartment I had was the same, through a friend. So it's definitely word of mouth for everything. So when you move here, frequent the same coffee bar, get to know the people, and you can ask them questions about possible apartments, places to live. Two resources do come to mind. The first one is Wanted in Rome. When I got here, everybody bought that. It was a little pamphlet, booklet that came out monthly. Now you can find it online. Apart from giving some news that's happening in Rome, it's all in English. There are apartments and jobs that are listed, all geared towards the international community. So Wanted in Rome is a good resource. And there's also a really good group called Expats Living in Rome. It's run by an American woman, and she does all kinds of events and informative meetings and happy hours and lessons. That is a good resource. She's got a Facebook page, a newsletter. It can help Americans and any expats looking for apartments or jobs or just information in general. Those are two very good resources. Any final thoughts you'd like to share? Yeah, it isn't easy to move, learn about a new city, a new language and culture. I mean, I hope I didn't make it sound like it's easy because it's not. After 30 years, it's easy, but initially it's not. I think the first year or maybe even two are the hardest. And then over time, things become easier. It's more natural. Apart from keeping a journal, I'll give other advices to keep an open mind. And don't compare your new country to the U.S. It's easy to do. But just accept the way things are done in your new home. Be open to learning new ways of doing things. I know, easier said than done, but it can be done. <laughs> Great. Thank you, Carol, for taking the time to join us today. Oh, thanks, Michelle. This has been fun. Thank you very much. The American Citizens Abroad podcast is a monthly podcast that is published the second Tuesday of each month. It is edited and produced by me, Michelle, and is a product of American Citizens Abroad. You can find us on Twitter at ACA underscore podcast, on Facebook at American Citizens Abroad Podcast, or you can email us at podcasts at americansabroad.org. Remember, give us a good rating on Apple Podcasts so other Americans living abroad can find us. 